Christian Freedom Church. Well, I tell you, it's so good to be. I'm here all the time. Uh, some of you here. I'm there. You're back. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Hello there. How are you two? You're back. Have you long have you been back now? Well, I wasn't here the last couple of weeks. I was away. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here today. Uh, Pastor Steve asked me to fill in for him. I count it an honor. Those of you who don't know, I passed it for 32 years, and I got delivered from it. I mean, I retired from it. <laughs> I retired from it three and a half years ago. And I'll tell you something interesting about your pastor. I love that guy. I liked him the first time I met him, and I grew to love him very much. He's a great man of God. The first time I met him, now I was a pastor 32 years, he did something I never did, or any other pastor I know ever did. As we met, standing in this aisle right here, he's, I said to him, uh, the person introduced me to him, said, this is uh, my wife's cousin's husband's wife, or son, something like that, and uh, he just retired from pastoring. And so Pastor Steve said, really, you pastored? Where, where and how long? I said, well, my last venture was in the city of Patterson, New Jersey, and uh, I pastored for 32 years, and I'm recently retired. He said, really? He says, you know, um, gee, I'm going to be away in a couple of weeks. Are you free to fill in for me? <laughs> I just looked at him because pastors don't do that. And I just, I was speechless. And he said, yeah, that would be uh, such and such date. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm available. I was available every Sunday then. And I asked him later, I said, why did you do that? I mean, you didn't know me. You didn't know what I would get up and talk about. He says, I don't know. I just had a good feeling about you. And I have a good feeling about him. He's a dear friend. And I've considered it an honor to stand before you today. Thank you so much for your welcome. Didn't they do a wonderful job today up there? I'm usually up there with them, but they did good without me. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I have a very important question. Uh, I wore these shoes today. I heard there was a bowling tournament. I is it today or is it next week? Uh, no, anyway, you had to see the shoes. I guess you can't see them. But anyway, I want to bring you the Word of God today, as Pastor Steve asked me. I count it an honor to come here because I come here regularly. If I'm not preaching or playing music somewhere, I'm here. As uh, Jules said, I'm part of the family, and I count that a, a real privilege to be here today. Thank you. You know, um, let's pray, and we'll get into this. Gracious Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your Word to your people. Help me today, Father God, to have utterance by you, to deliver this message clearly, concisely, and that those that have ears to hear will hear. And I give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. I want to talk about something today, but I'm going to tell you a couple of stories first. And they're true stories. They're not allegorical uh, illustrations. Uh, I remember one day my wife and I, when we were first married, we had no children yet, and she was working, of course I was working, and she came home from work, and she mentioned a co-worker of hers, a young woman, and she said, you're not going to believe what so-and-so told me. I said, yeah, what's that? She was telling me about how when her and her husband were looking, husband-to-be at the time, were looking for an apartment, uh, they went looking around, and they found a really nice apartment in a two-family home, and they really liked the, the apartment, and they told the landlady, they said, yes, we love it, we'll take it. Well, we'd love to to live here and so now I have to get into now I have to get into my Italian mode is that okay with you only one so I'll talk to him over here because he said sure so and she said that when her and her husband-to-be uh, I knew the guy we, we we knew each other well and uh, and so when they went to look at this apartment they they really liked it but then they got to talking with the landlady, who was this Italian woman, and she was very excited because this young couple, the girl was Italian. She said, oh, this is nice. I'm going to have an Italian a girl living in as a house. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And they get to talking about this. Now, well, they discovered in their conversation that this young woman's aunt was a f knew, well, the lady that was the landlady knew this young girl's aunt. And everything changed when she heard that she was related to somebody. She said, so you are related to so-and-so? Yeah, she's my aunt. You know what she did to me 40 years ago? <laughs> and she went down this long, horrible story of how she got hurt by this person. And she culminated the whole thing saying, because you are related to, you no get in this apartment. You and him, you get out. She threw them out. She wouldn't let them have the apartment because of something that happened 40 years ago. And my wife said, 
She said, you know, and when she was telling me the story about what, the way this woman reacted, you would think this thing that happened 40 years ago happened yesterday. Some of you know the drill. There's people that they, they carry a grudge. And so they didn't get the apartment. And imagine that, going 40 years being offended with somebody like that. Let me tell you another story, true story. Uh, a man that I worked with, uh, I used to work at American Airlines. I worked at LaGuardia and Kennedy, and, um, and then I tr moved down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Best move I ever made, I got saved down there. You don't get saved in Tulsa, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I moved down there, and, and um, he, a man that I worked with out there, he was a Christian brother, he came up to me one day, he said, Brother Joe, I want you to keep something in prayer with me, if you would, please. My youngest daughter, uh, I think the girl was about 10 years old. He says, I don't know what's going on with her, but she don't hardly talk to me or her mother or her sister or sisters, two sisters. You don't talk to any of them. And, and uh, she, she, she barely eats dinner and she locks herself away in her room. And he says, I can't go near her. She doesn't want to talk. And I asked her one day, I said, honey, what's, what's going on? Are you okay? No, nothing's wrong, dad. And anyway, he said, would you be in prayer with us that we find out what, what you know, what's going on with, with my daughter. And I said, okay, sure. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll remember her in my prayers. So a few months later, he came to me and he said, Brother Joe, we found out what's going on. And I said, yeah, really? What, yeah, well, what's wrong with her? You know, what? He said, well, apparently my oldest daughter's husband has been molesting her for the last year. And it all finally came out. He said, my daughter was devastated at this, and she immediately called the police and had her husband arrested. And he confessed to the whole thing. He says, but I've got, our family is fractured by this thing, and it's just awful. And I said, oh my, oh my. And I knew the girl, the daughter, she was a friend of my daughter's also. Uh, they were about the same age then. And um, anyway, they, they got healed of that. They, they went to their pastor, and they, they went for, as a family, the whole family, not just the daughter. They all went because they were all so very hurt by what had happened. And um, I'm happy to say they recovered. You know, there's a but God in this, you know, but God. And God came on the scene and helped them out and pulled them out of the mess that their family had been uh, put through. And anyway, so uh, anyway, he, um, my, my, this friend of mine, he invited us. Incidentally, he was a Baptist, and he used to tell me, Brother Joe, I'm a Christian by conviction, I'm a Baptist by choice. And he was a good man, and uh, he loved his wife and family. And, uh, but he invited us to, to dinner, and my wife and I went, and while we were having dinner, we were just about through with dinner, and he says to his wife, he says, uh, I had told Brother Joe about what was going on with our daughter, and he said he would join us in praying. And, and we saw that all things started turning around after that when, when we all got corporate prayer going on. Well, then his wife said, well, I'll forgive him all right after, I'm, after I see that God has finished punishing him. And so he said, now, now honey, now we got to just put this in God's hands. It's our job to forgive him, as bad as it is. And I'm hurt too. She said, I know. And she started crying. And, her husband was very attentive to her in this whole thing, and, and she was crying, and she said, I'm just so hurt by this, and she said, I just can't forgive him. I won't forgive him. Well, long short of it is she did get over it, in a sense. Well, she didn't get over it. You go through things, right? You, you don't get over things. Something you go through it. And uh, she, she got the recovery that she needed from the Lord on this, and so did the young daughter who was the victim in this whole thing. I want to talk today about how unforgiveness can hinder your faith. Boy, it'll cripple you, you know? And, and it, it comes along, sometimes it creeps in very unawares. And I want to talk about some things today about this because, yes, we're Christians, but we're subject to these things. They can happen to us. Somebody might say or do something to us, and it hurts us. And uh, we don't want to be left like a basket case on that matter, right? We want to we have the victory on this whole thing. So we're going to look at some things here today. I'm looking over there. My notes are over here. Okay. We're going to talk about a few things here today. And um, I believe that there's going to be a miracle in the house today. There's going to be somebody or some of you here, you're going to, you're going to get the victory on some things here. God's going to help you through whatever it is you're going through. Amen? 
because God's our help, ever-present help in a time of danger. Can you say amen to that? We're going to look at a few things here and um, some of the dynamics of unforgiveness. First of all, well, our opening text is in Mark 11, uh, 25. Let's look at that, if you would, with me. In Mark eleven twenty five, Jesus is instructing his disciples. It's interesting that this comes in right on the heels of Mark eleven twenty three and 24. That talks about prayer and talking about speaking to mountains. Mountains are not literally mountains. They're obstacles in life that we can have victory over those things. But that's a topic for another day. Amen? But it seems that Jesus talks about the power of prayer. And then in verse number 25, he says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And, you know, when we look at this thing and say that we, we are told to forgive. So we look at this thing, and first of all, I want, I want to talk some of the dynamics of it. And then we're going to look at some scripture on this whole thing. But it's, first of all, it's not the will of God to, be un un to not forgive someone. That's not the will of God. The will of God is that we walk in love. Now, sometimes people say, you know, like we saw the story, the, the two illustrations I gave you here, one woman was holding a grudge for 40 years. The other one was so emotionally damaged that, you know, she wanted to see retribution come. But, you know, that's not in our hands. Uh, can I get an amen on that? You know, our job is to forgive. Now, let me say this about forgiveness. When you forgive somebody something, it doesn't mean that you're minimizing what they said or did. What they said and did is still wrong. But you're doing the right thing. We have an obligation to God on what happens in, in this when somebody uh, does us wrong. You know, there's an old country western song that says that somebody, you know, everybody's got a somebody done me wrong song. <laughs> And no matter, your life can be unfair, and people can be unfair, and people hurt us. Sometimes people hurt us, and you have to look at it from two different aspects. Sometimes people can hurt you, they don't even realize they hurt you. They might not even know that they've offended you, and they've hurt you. They don't even know it, because they didn't really mean to hurt you, but somehow or other, something that they said or did just went the wrong, wrong way. And that, they're the easy ones to forgive, right? Then there's the ones that are just deliberately mean. They're just deliberately troublemakers. They, deli they deliberately did something to hurt you in one way or another. That's where the trying of our faith comes in. What do we do about something like that? Well, the Word of God says that we're supposed to forgive. We're going to look at some things on that today. And there's two different things here. There's forgiveness and there's love. We're supposed to walk in love and we're supposed to walk in forgiveness. But, do you know, both of those things uh, are a decision. They're not a feeling. You decide to forgive somebody. Not because they apologize. What if they never apologize? What if they never come to you and say, gee, you know, Joe or Fred or whatever your name will, gee I'm, gee, I'm sorry about what I did. I'm sorry about what I did. They may never do that. First of all, because they might not even realize what they did to you. Second of all, they just might not care that it hurt you. Because maybe they got some kind of grudge that something that they've got going somewhere and you happen to be the cat they kicked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so, you know, we look at this thing. There's two things. There's love, and there is walking in love is, is a decision that we make. My wife used to say, it's easy to fall in love. It's like falling off a cliff. It's different when you meet someone, that special someone in life, and you fall in love, and, you know, you get married, and, and you live happily ever after, right? You know, That's one thing, love there, but, but the God... The love that God is talking about here is, is a, is a deep-seated spiritual thing. And that we choose, when he gives us the power to make that choice, we choose to walk in love. Now, the Bible says that, you know, we, that, uh, well, I'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But we make a decision to love someone. And, be, and because we love someone doesn't mean that they're perfect, because we're not perfect, Right? You know, anytime you point the finger, somebody got three fingers pointing right back at you. So, you know, you know, we have to remember that as well. And I've seen a lot of people crippled in their walk with God because of unforgiveness, because somebody hurt them, whether it was intentional or accidental. Either way, we're told to love. We're told to forgive. Let me tell you some of the dynamics about, of unforgiveness. Number one, it's not the will of God. Number two, it leads to bitterness and resentment. And then nothing is good enough that the offender can ever do to undo what he or she has done to you. Boy, you get that root of bitterness. Like that lady, that woman, you know, 
She carried that thing for 40 years, and all she needed someone was to bring up the name of the person that did her wrong. And boy, she just relived and rehashed the whole thing. You think it had just happened? 40 years is a long time. Some of you here in Ivy aren't even that old. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> well, we'll pray for you later, brother. <laughs> Amen, I heard that. But it leads to bitterness and resentment. Nothing is good enough. A third thing, it's the birthing place for a transfer of aggression. That means that somebody did you wrong, so now you start taking it out on others. People do it all the time. Because they can't get back at the one who hurt them. They hurt others. They start doing things to other people they're hard to get along with. I mean, I, I know somebody right now that uh, they've got a problem going on in, in family, and the person is so hurt by what has happened to this person that, she, well, it's a woman that she can't seem to see past it. She doesn't trust people. She doesn't let other people come close to her. And it's a terrible thing because God wants to put people in our lives that are a blessing. Am I right or wrong? And sometimes we miss out on that. And, you know, so it leads to bitterness and resentment. Nothing is good enough. It's the birthing place for a transfer of aggression, taking things out on others. I always say, you know, hurt people hurt people. Right? People that have been hurt, they hurt others. Well, because it's a transfer of aggression. They're taking it out on others for what something else did to them. That's one of the dynamics of unforgiveness. A fourth thing, who suffers the most from unforgiveness? The one that hurt you or you? Can we get that picture put up, please, of the man up in a tree? You're going to love this picture. Jamie knows this thing. He's in the tree business. A bad, a bad idea. You don't cut branches like that. Who suffers the most through unforgiveness? We do. We suffer the most. Regardless of what somebody did to us, we can be our own worst enemy. So you don't want to be at such a point because of unforgiveness that you get on the wrong side of the branch. <laughs> Amen. And that's what it's all about. You know, who suffers the most? We do. Based on what someone else did to us. It changes us. Another thing about a fifth point of uh, the dynamics of unforgiveness, it contaminates your soul, causing negativity, blocking clear thinking. Amen. We end up untrusting others. When people come along and want to do something nice for you, you start saying, oh, what, no, what, all right, what, why are they being so nice to me? What's in it for him? And she's been nice to me, and she's smiling too. What does she want? She wants something. I know she wants something. Nobody just does something nice for somebody and not want something back. No, there are people out there, like many of you here, you do good things for people because you want to. You do good things for people because it's God's nature in you reaching out and touching their life. Amen. You know, it, I, I make it a point to, to always treat strangers when I'm out in the store. I treat them kindly. I see, like, sometimes, you know, uh, I'll see uh, either a, a pregnant lady or an older woman, and she's, and she's got the big case of water in her shopping cart. She wants to put it in the trunk. I walk, I say, hey, let, me, let me put that in the trunk for you. Let me help you out. I hold doors for people. Man, I, I went, I had lunch with my son not too long ago. We and him, we went to some diner to have lunch, and, and I opened the door to go in, and all these women were going out. About nine of them went out. You know, here I'm holding the door, you know, and not one of them said thank you. You know, and they're walking by. Finally, the last one came to, and I said, tips are accepted. <laughs> and she laughed. She said, you know, that's a good one. I said, have a good day. She said, thank you. You too. You know, we have a word for everybody that could make their day. You might be the only positive voice that comes to them. They might have left their house loaded down with issues and problems and cares and worries. And you come along, Mr. Nice Guy, Miss Nice Lady, and you treat them kindly. And it does them a lot of good. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. What did Jesus do? He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Everywhere he went, he did good. Every problem that he saw, he intervened with it. Every issue that was in someone's life, he forgave them. Remember that? The woman with the issue of blood. Man, they were ready to let her have it with stones. And he said, well, let the only, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. Just shame them all. 
And then she just looked up and said, where's your accusers? And she, they were gone. She said, they're on that. And he said, neither do I. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Released her of the whole thing. Forgiveness. It changes us. It changes the ones that we forgive. Can you say amen to that? So we look at this, it contaminates us. It makes us untrusting when others are trying to do good. A sixth thing, it, if memories are greater than your dreams, you're on the wrong path. If all you're thinking about is what somebody did and this happened or that happened like that lady, 40 years of, of, of this thing, 40 years. Let me tell you something about all of that. You, we, you've got the Holy Spirit in you because it's the Holy Spirit that empowers your imagination. And if you're only looking at what happened in the past, it's like driving down the road with your eyes fixed on your rearview mirror. You're going to miss your turn. You're going to have an accident. You can get yourself killed because you're looking back. You're not looking at where you're going. Meanwhile, in front of you is all the options through the windshield of where to go, where to turn, the things that are around you. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be alert. He doesn't want us so fixed on our past that we can't see where he's trying to take us. And he's always trying to take us somewhere. Life is a journey. I've lived long enough. I won't tell you my age, but I'm older than you. <laughs> Especially you. <laughs> and, you know, it's a journey. And you go through phases in life and different circumstances in life and different people in your life. And we need to be instant, in season, out of season with God to be all that God wants us to be. And it's important that we carry the idea that we're going to walk in love. We're going to forgive people. We don't forgive them because they're sorry. Some people might never be sorry, but we forgive them. Any what did Jesus do? He forgave us. What did he do on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He wasn't just directing it to the Roman soldiers or the religious leaders or even the disciples that ran off and left them. No. He was speaking that to you because Jesus spoke out of eternity. He wasn't just a man. He was God and man, but he was speaking out of eternity. That was his mission, to bring forgiveness. And so we said, Father, forgive them. He was speaking out of eternity, the absolute and complete will of God for you and I. Therefore, when you got saved, all you had to do was ask Jesus to come into your life. You didn't have to go down the list of everything you ever did wrong in life. Am I right or wrong about that? Thank God for that. I'd still be asking forgiveness for this. You know, Father, when I was 15, you know what I did? He already knows what I did. He knew everything that we ever did, and he chose to love us, and he chose to forgive us. Wow. What a mighty God we serve. Can you say amen to that? So if unforgiveness hinders our faith, then forgiveness enhances our faith. Amen. Let's look at some scripture over here. Let's look at some consequences of unforgiveness. Incidentally, let me tell you right now, th there's going to be a happy ending on this message today. <laughs> All right? I like to say that about this particular message, that there's a happy ending on this thing. And I believe that some of you here, you're going to connect the dots. There's going to be a connecting of dots in your life, and you're going to walk out of here a, a stronger person than you were when you came in. You're going to leave this place strengthened and comforted by God beyond measure. I speak that over you now in the name of Jesus. There's a loss and a consequence of unforgiveness. There's a loss of a walk with God. Can we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment that we have from him. That, we, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And we go on to the next verse. Is that all of them? Okay. I wasn't looking down over here. But you know, we, we are commanded to love. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter number 15, he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Amen. So, it's a commandment, and it's a decision, but God is the enabler. He gives us the ability to do things that we normally could not do. Let's face it, once you became a Christian, you became a new creation. Whatever it is that you were, it's gone. It's gone. You're all new. You have a whole different set of rules now. 
and you have a whole different set of, of blessings that come to you. You know, when you start forgiving people and letting people go on things, you know, everybody needs a break every now and then, even the guilty, because it's good for you to let them go. Jesus, you know, when, when remember what, what do the words say? He says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain are retained. And I remember at first I didn't understand that, but you see, when, when you don't forgive somebody, you retain their sin against you. You retain it within yourself. And it eats you up. And it's like that lady 40 years ago, and she's still, still angry, angry and unforgiving. And so we see here, it's not that we lost our, uh, it's, not that, it's, not, it's not that with the scripture that we lose our salvation, no. See, we, we come to God and he makes us his child. He makes us his son, he makes us his daughter. You know, uh, many of you, you, you know this. I mean, I, I lost my wife two and a half years ago and I had retired from pastoring about a year before that occurred and I stayed home and I took care of her and uh, she went on to be with the Lord. And then after the funeral, and everything, the dust finally settled on this whole thing. And I was, I'll be very honest about this. I was sitting in my, sitting in my house. I was looking out the window and well, sliding doors there. And, and I was looking out there and I, was, I started talking to God about it. I said, you know, Father, I'm, I'm not a pastor anymore, but uh, you, you know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know I'm, you know I'm okay with that. And, and I am. I was okay with that. And I've passed it for 32 years and um, it ran its course. And uh, and I said, and now my children are grown and they're gone and that's okay, you know, because they're doing good. They know you and their children are in order and their house is in order and that's a good thing. I said, and now, now my wife is gone. And I said, you know, a big piece of me left when she left. And I, I, I was very honest. I, was, I had tears in my eyes. I said, Father, help me. Who am I? What am I? And he spoke to me. He said, you're my son, my child. And I was instantly, I said, yeah, I, I know that. I just needed a reminder. Thank you. You're a child of God. You belong to God. Whatever you were is gone. God's not concerned about what you did in the past. In fact, he, in his impotent, in, 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 he's so important and in, in, in his, his power, he can blot out what you've done. So he doesn't even know what you've done in the past. He blots it out. There's nothing that you did in your past that God takes up. I went to a, a dinner one time with a bunch of guys I used to work with. Man, they knew me when. Long before I knew Jesus. And boy, they reminded me of everything. Holy cow. I said, oh. Some of it I remembered. Some of it I didn't. I said, oh, gosh. Wow. Ooh. And you know... I, I never went again to one of those dinners. <laughs> but I came away from that saying, I came home, my wife said, how'd it go? I said, oh, man, I tell you, they, t well, they remembered everything I used to say and do. I said, uh, you know, I was sad to find out what I was all about, but I'm glad I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> and, you know, you need to look at yourself and say, I'm not the man I was. You know, old Ebenezer Scrooge comes to in the morning, right? And he's, I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. You're not the man you were. You're not the woman you were. That's gone. That's called born again. A fresh start. The slate is wiped. And he gives us the ability to forgive. He gives us the ability to love unashamedly, freely, willingly. There's nothing better than being in the will of God. Forgiving someone is the will of God. Loving me, walking in love is the will of God. Now, let me say this about some people did you wrong. Let me go down this road a little bit over here. Not that anybody on this side needs to hear it more, except maybe you. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You know, <laughs> let me not go there. No, I need to go there. There's some people, you know, you, we, we think, well, you know, they, they did me wrong, and I'm supposed to love them. I, you know, they're not easy to love. How many of you have people in your life, you know, they're not easy to love? Yeah, well, you got to love them anyway. But you can love them from a distance. I always like to say I grab a hold of them like this. I got a tight grip with my hand, but my elbow is locked. They only come as close as I let them come to me. Why? Because they're toxic. 
There's one guy I know right now, I don't dislike him, and I don't have anything about unforgiveness in him, but, but man, that guy is toxic. Every time I have some kind of encounter with him, something negative always happens. And so I've chosen, I love the guy, I wish him well, he's my brother in the Lord too. I'll see him in glory, but you do what you do, and I'll do what I do. But that's okay, if we run across each other, I'm not going to ill-treat you. Can you hear what I'm saying? not going to ill-treat you over it because God won't do that. And, you know, we, we look at this thing and say that some people are toxic, so you just got to keep them a little bit at a distance. But, uh, but the love, of, we come to God and we're in relationship with him. Then through prayer and ministry of the word and doing the things that he wants you to do, you're walking in fellowship with him. And when in unforgiveness is not in fellowship with them, you're still a child of God. Like those of you that are parents, you know what I'm, you'll know what I'm talking about. You love your children. You love them unconditionally. Sometimes you're not too happy about what they did, but they're still your child. Still your son. It's still your daughter. You still love them. You still don't want to withhold anything from them. You're in relationship with them. Fellowship is broken. They're kind of steering away from you. You're not stirring up the conversations with them either. You're kind of letting things go by for a while and you're kind of sorting things out. And then finally, eventually, you get back to talking again and the fellowship gets instilled back in that relationship again. And that's how it is with God. He wants us walking with him. Adam walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Walked and talked with him. Now you can walk and talk with God. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Fiddler on the Roof? Boy, that guy's always talking to God, isn't he? You know, one time he's coming up to his house. He says, okay, well, I'm home now. I'll get back to you later. <laughs> I always laugh at that scene. He says to God, well, okay, well, here I am now, but uh, we're talking about, I'll get back to you later. And he walks away. And I always laugh. I say, look at this guy. And you know, and I look at that and I say, we Christians should be like that. We can talk to God anytime. You know, anytime you open your mouth and talk to him, he hears you. And I've learned some things over the years and all my years in the Lord, over 40 years. He knows what I'm thinking anyway, so you can't pull the wool over his eyes. So we all may as well just talk to him with an honest heart. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. And so in looking at this here, walking with God in fellowship helps develop the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter number 5, I'll just read it to you. It's in verse number 22. There's nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Actually, I'm in the New King, uh, the New King James. That long-suffering means patience. Actually, there's really only one fruit of the Spirit, and the other eight are the manifestations of how it works. The first one that's mentioned is love. And when you've got the love walk down with God, these other things will come into play. You see, when our vertical relationship with the Father is right, our horizontal relationships with people is going to be better. That's the order. How's this working? You start finding yourself being at odds with this or that. You say, check up on the vertical. You, you might not be, you might be a little twisted here a little bit, off to the side. Get that vertical relationship right, and the horizontals come in line. Amen. And so we see here that, that the nine fruit of the Spirit are developed in us when we're walking in fellowship with God. Because look at it. First of all, love. Remember what we said before, love, it's a decision that we make to walk in love. So the result of it is we have peace, Right? We, we have joy, we have peace, we have long-suffering or patience. Amen. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. Sometimes we don't have the right to tell somebody a piece of our mind. Remember, that's your mind, not his or hers. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Take it to God. We're going to get to that later. Taking it to God. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at, um, we're going to get in there and look at verses, uh, starting at verse number 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed, I'm in the New King James, by the way, uh, verse 29 in Ephesians 4. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, listen to this, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This is the admonition 
that we're given through the Word of God. This is the way we should live, and it's a whole better way. Before I was born again, my God, I had issues. You know, I had issues with everything, with everybody. You know, then I got saved, and I said, oh, <laughs> I cried for the first month. <laughs> I cried for the first month because I felt such a relief of being relieved of the worldliness that was in me. It was a very, you, 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 you folks know, anyone here, if you're born again, you could remember the day you let Christ in. There was a change. You were changed. When you asked Jesus, when he came in lock, stock, and barrel, he didn't mean maybe, and he didn't say, I'll think about it. God just did it immediately because that's who he is. And that's why he came. Jesus came for the worst sinners. I tell you what, you know, I love the story about the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Boy, that guy had a bag full of sins. I mean, even the Romans, they couldn't stand. They're going to hang him up, string him up, you know, like an old Western movie. You know, string him up. They put him up to die. Leave him there to die. Ah, that's how bad of a thief he was. That man didn't have a chance. He couldn't come down off the cross and apologize to anybody. He couldn't come down off the cross and give back everything he ever stole. He couldn't come down off the cross and do anything. He couldn't go to Sunday school. He couldn't even go to faith church. I mean, the freedom church. He couldn't even go to church. He couldn't do anything. And what does Jesus say to him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Right there. Love in action on the cross. As the Savior is dying, he's still forgiving. He's still saving. And I look at that and I say, there isn't anything God can't do. So the worst, whatever your situation, I've had the pleasure of leading people to the Lord on their deathbed. Let me tell you, it is a wonderful thing to see them knowing they're going to heaven when they die. They may have lived a whole life apart from God, and now all of a sudden, bang, they are a child of God. And God is waiting for them when they take their last breath. He's waiting for them. They belong to him now. And the past doesn't matter anymore. It's what did we do about Jesus? Romans 10, 9 and 10 is very clear about that. If we believe that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. That's what separates us from all other religions throughout the world and everywhere. God has made it so simple. I remember my pastor used to say, uh, God has made the plan of salvation so simple that a wayfaring fool couldn't err in it. It is that simple. It's not what you do, it's what he did. And when we look at this here and he tells us to forgive, of course, that should be our nature to forgive. And so we see in here, those are the things, what do we do away with? All those things, the malice and the anger and the wrath and the clamor, the evil speaking, all, all put away. And then what do we do? Instead, we turned around and we're tenderheartedly forgiving people. Wow. What a mighty God we serve. Another thing about the consequence of sin is a loss of health. Let's look at Psalm number 32. A loss of health and vitality, actually. In Psalm number 32, let's go there, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 5. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old, through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. Let me ask you a question. I already know the answer. You know, lawyers don't ask a question unless they already know the answer in cross-examination. Not that I'm cross-examining you, but I'm asking you a question that I already know the answer, right? Before you do something wrong, didn't you already know it was wrong before you did it? Well, I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. <laughs> but, love, right? We, 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 we do things that we know we shouldn't do, and after we do it, say, oh, man, I, I knew I shouldn't have done it. That's the Holy Ghost. We were singing about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill this place. What place? Fill us. Fill us up. Let the atmosphere be charged with you everywhere I go, every place I go, whatever you want I'm in contact with, good things, bad things, whatever things, you're with me, and that's what makes the difference. Who's with us? That's what makes the difference. And he never leaves us, ever. I, I, you know, I, I, you know I, was talking to my, I was talking to my wife the other day. Not that I was expecting an answer. But, but no, I was talking to her. Really, I was talking about, about a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, honey, since you left, boy, there's been a lot of changes in me. And, uh, you know, I've been made a lot of adjustments. I think you'd like me even better now. And, you know, but we should be getting better and better in our walk with God because 
What I've noticed, and maybe some of you are dealing with this thing, maybe you've had someone pass away that you loved and, and you care about, whether it be a parent, a, a child, a, a spouse, God doesn't leave you when, they, when they're gone. If anything, he draws closer to you. And he wants to heal your heart. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to heal your emotions. He wants you to know you're near. You know, there was, there, they were talking, uh, uh, Tim was talking before about the Lord being near. He's as close as the mention of his name. Why would we not consult with him when things go wrong? We should. And so we see here, for day and night your hand was upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Wow. I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Not walking in forgiveness is a sin. And we need to get that straightened out sometimes if we're going to go on forward with a good report, if we're going to go on forward with good success, if we're going to walk on forward in our life with the peace of God reigning in us. My wife passed away, and God came close immediately. And I've been walking with God for over 40 years now. But let me tell you, there was a difference. He knew what I needed, so he came close. And he took me to another level. And he'll do the same for you, whatever it is that you're facing. He'll take you to another level through every difficulty that comes along in life. On the other side of it is a victory, and faith always has a good report. Faith always has a good report at the end, because God don't fool around in his promises that he gives us in his word. He gives us his word to give us victory, to give us good things, to bring us peace, to bring us joy, to bring us good success. Right? That's what he wants for all of us. And so I look at this thing here, and you know, there are blessings to forgiveness, both in seeking forgiveness and in giving it. Yes. Did you get that? There's a blessing both in, in receiving forgiveness and giving forgiveness. We don't forgive somebody because they're sorry. We forgive them because it's our nature to forgive them. That's our nature now. We have God's nature in us, and God sent his son to save us. And God knew what he was getting Jesus into when he sent him. Let's face it, Jesus came to this world. He was the only believer. <laughs> he had his hands full. <laughs> Amen. Remember the sons of thunder. Well, let's call down fire from heaven. Oh, great. You're going to call down fire from heaven on them too, right? <laughs> you know, and they called them the sons of thunder. Amen. That name stuck with them for a while. We still call them that even till today. But we should learn from it not to be like that. So there's loss of health and vitality in all of this. You know, I've seen a lot of people suffering with physical ailments, and they finally forgive somebody, and isn't it a coincidence all of a sudden their health improves? All of a sudden, they're healthier. You know, I got saved, and uh, before I was saved, I was diagnosed with scoliosis, a scur curvature of the spine, and I had ongoing back issues, and I got saved, and I remember a couple of days later, I said to my wife, I said, you know, gee, I... You know, I feel pretty good. She said, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I feel healthier. Well, I found out later on in the years after uh, I had to get a physical for uh, an insurance company that the Lord straightened out my spine. I said, why? Yeah, let me see that. Let me see that. You got the x-ray? Yeah, here it is. They look on it. They said, wow. I told the doctor. I said, you know, I got diagnosed with courage. Oh, they made a bad diagnosis. No, I saw the x-ray. It was crooked. Around vertebrae number seven, it was twisted. He said, well, it's not there now. I said, thank God. Well, you see, because you, you, you get right with God and things happen to you. Good things happen to you. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. He wants to reward us all the time. And we see here in that, there's a loss of joy. Huh. Let's look at Proverbs. <laughs> I love this one. Proverbs. Uh, is it already up there? Yeah, there it is. Better is dinner, better is a dinner of herbs where, where, where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Amen. You know, I, I remember I, I, before I was a Christian, uh, my, a cousin of mine's wife offended me. And boy, I, I was just ticked off with her for the next several years. 
I mean, I remember being at my mother's house. My sisters are there, and the family's there. We're eating dinner, and someone would say, Hey, Joe, have you heard from so-and-so lately? My cousin, I'd instantly think of his wife, and I lost my appetite. <laughs> I put the fork down, and my mother said, What's the matter? I said, oh, I'm not hungry. You were just eating. Yeah, I'm not hungry anymore. You know, and I would just lose my appetite. Then I found out later on, after becoming a child of God and get around people that are, you're in harmony with, it don't matter what you're eating, you're more happy that you're together. It's the fellowship one with another, that koinonia, that you're there with people. And it makes all the difference in the world. Amen. I was listening to the worship team, you know, so often time I'm up there playing with them. I was watching them and I was just smiling, saying, what a wonderful what a wonderful session of worship they presented in this place today. The atmosphere was charged, like this young lady was singing about, Holy Spirit, let, let this atmosphere be, be filled with your presence. I said, yeah, I, 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 you know, I could just sense the presence of God all over the place. Just, just pronouncing it was making a difference in this place. And there's such a peace and a harmony. And I believe somebody here today, you're starting to connect some dots on some things. I'm gonna, this has a happy ending. We're getting close. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Who becomes defiled? We do. Not necessarily the person of what they did to us, we're doing more damage to ourselves. We're like that guy sitting on that tree branch. Remember that guy? Don't do that, Jamie. <laughs> He's got a tree business. You want to make sure you're on the right side. Yeah, I had a, I had a teacher when I was in Bible college. He used to, when he talked about difficult things, he said, oh, we're going to talk about something a little difficult here, but uh, stay on God's side. Stay on God's side. Stay on the God's side of things. When you stay on the God's side of things, you see, you see the issue in different eyes when you're on God's side because now you're seeing it the way God sees it, not the way you're seeing it anymore. Can you say amen to that? There's a loss of freedom. To, yeah, we become consumed with and controlled by and become like the offender. I mean, sometimes if you harbor a an ill deed or ill words that was sent to you, if you harbor it and you keep thinking about it and you keep talking about it, after all, you become like the offender. We're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ, not the image of who offended us, right? So we, we become conformed to the wrong person. We become conformed. We start becoming, we start becoming like the person who, what they did to us, and in turn, we become another kind of person. We become somebody we never were. And the thing about it is this, it creeps in slowly. We don't see it coming until it's all fully blown, and then by then you're, you're blind and you don't see how it really happened. That's why we need to stay close to God in everything, because life cannot be fair at times, and I think you know that. And so we see here that the bitterness blinds us, and it moves you to a place you've never been before. I want to get ready to close on this message here today, and that is that... Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 is, a, is a good scripture. It says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is always future, right? Oh, I hope that things work out next month. I'm going on a trip, right? Next week. Uh, you know, hope is always in the future. Faith is a different story. Faith reaches into the future and takes the dreams in the future and brings them into the reality of now by faith. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. You know, I... Uh, it's, 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 it's that release of faith. What is faith, really? It's trusting that God is going to have the final say-so on this matter in your life. And that what his promises are are going to be your promises that you get in this life. So hope is always future. But, you know, when we're blinded by those things, what did I say before about that other thing here? Yeah. The Holy Spirit empowers your imagination. And when we're blinded by an unforgiveness... We can't see the things God has planned for us down the road. And there's times we do things in the Lord. At first, we don't understand it. But what God is looking for in us, he's looking for obedience. He's looking for obedience. He wants us to do what he prompts us to do. You know, you get a prompting in your heart to say or do something for somebody. 
And then the thought comes back again. Yeah, let me explain that a little bit. You get a thought about something, uh, about doing something for somebody, and at first you don't do it, it's just a thought. And then it comes again, um, and then it comes again, and then it comes again. And after a while, it keeps coming until finally you say, Duh, Lord, was that you talking? <laughs> yes, it was him all along. <laughs> and what does he do? He doesn't say, hey, do not, wake up, I'm talking to you. <laughs> no, he just keeps reminding us of it until we finally say, ah, gotcha, gotcha. And the interesting thing is that when your fellowship is good with the Lord, that you're walking with him every day, be like that guy Tevier and Fiddler on the Roof. Just talk to God all the time. You'd be surprised how he'll be talking to you. There's times he talks to you. You don't even realize it's him until all of a sudden you think it's your idea, but it's too good to do, and it's bigger than what you can do, so it's got to be God. So that can't be me. I can't do that. When God told me I wanted to be a pastor, told me about being, becoming a pastor, you know what I did? I did the only thing that a coward would do. I, I quit praying. <laughs> and so my wife says, how's things going with your prayers? You know, about, oh, well, uh, well uh, she says, all right, come on, what is it? I said, I'm not praying about it. Why aren't you praying? Because I don't want to do that. What do you mean you don't want to do that? I said, I don't want to do it. And she says, you think you're going to outdo God? She says, you better submit. You better give in and let him direct your steps one step at a time. And that's what he does with us anyway. It's always one step at a time. How do you eat an apple one bite at a time, right? You don't try to swallow the whole thing. Let me talk about some things here. I have got an overhead, another overhead I want to put up for you, about the difference between doing things God's way and doing things your way. My friend Danny back there, there it is. Look to the left. Someone offends me. They hurt you. To the left is if you're going to do it your way. You're going to handle it your way. So what do you do? First of all, you tell people all about it. And if I'm telling people all about it, the listener begins to think less of the offender. See, now they, you got them into a borrowed offense. That means that they, somebody hurt you, so now they're going to be hurt by how someone else hurt you. It moves on down. They join me in speaking negatively about my offender. Well, we think we're making progress, don't we? So, I have succeeded in causing others to sin, creating division in relationships, making myself more upset by rehearsing the, de the details over and over, directly, knowingly, willfully disobeying God's word by reacting according to my flesh rather than submitting to the spirit or in the spirit. Or we can do it God's way, the other side on the right-hand side. See, we put it on the right-hand side because God is right. First of all, the first thing to do is go directly to God in prayer. That's the first step. Regardless of how much it hurt you, no matter how wrong it was, go to God first in prayer. Directly to God in prayer. Secondly, he listens to me, and he gives me his better perspective. See, God will direct your steps. Right? He'll direct your steps. The, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, right? Let him be the one to lead you step by step. Along the way then, finally, you feel peace, and the need to vent to others is gone. Why? Because now God has given you a peace, a peace that passes all understanding in you that you could not have created, but God does. He creates in us a new heart, a fresh heart, a renewed heart, a strengthened heart. And so I have honored God by valuing unity, that's unity with him, over the very temporary pleasures of gossiping or gaining sympathy from others. I want to tell you two quick stories in closing. The first one, both of these stories occurred when I was brand new in the Lord. The first one, I was saved about a month, and I was letting, and see now, I, I, I was a mechanic, an uh, airplane mechanic at American Airlines. I was going to get everybody saved on the job. And so I'm going in, I'm sharing my faith, but this one guy, he used to heckle me all the time about this thing. He even said to me, yeah, well, Joe, I've seen guys like you, you know, they say, yeah, they met Jesus, and you give them a month from now, and they'll be right back to their old self again. So you'll be back, Joe. And he kept hounding me every day, every day. And he always did it in front of others, never one-on-one. -on -one. So finally one day, I was saved about a month, I snapped. I reached a breaking point. I was so angry with him. 
I think if we were not at work, I would have hit him. But he made me so angry, all because he's heckling me about my newfound faith. So what I said to him was, one more word out of you, I'll break your legs. And as soon as I said that, I felt like a knife went right in my heart. As soon as I said, I'll break your legs, ah, I literally went like that. I went, ah, and I walked away. I went to the men's room, broken before God. I said, oh, Lord God, I'm so sorry. I should never have said that to him. God, can you please forgive me? I, I'm, I'm, I got angry. I, I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. The Lord spoke to me. He said, go apologize to that man. <laughs> God didn't talk to me about what he was doing. God talked to me about what I was doing. Are you hearing me now on that? He said, go apologize to that man. I said, okay, I will. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, the word of God says. Had tears in my eyes. I came out of the men's room, and lo and behold, here came this guy. And I saw him, and I said, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. He says, yeah, and what do you want to tell me next? I said, listen, listen, wait a minute. You know, listen, I, I said, I was out of line. And I'm going like this. I had tears in my eyes. I had tears in my eyes. And um, I said, I was out of line. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you. Can, would you forgive me? Well, he became a nice guy. He said, well, Joe, look, I, I know you really didn't mean it. I said, no, that's the problem. I did mean it. <laughs> and he just looked at me and he tilted his head. He says, okay, all right. He never heckled me again from that day forward. I'll tell you why in a couple of minutes. The second thing that happened to me, see, you don't have to have been a Christian a long, long time. God will start talking to you from the day you become a child of God. He'll start talking to you. I was saved, I don't know, within a week, three days or not even a week. And I did not talk to my mother. I did not get along with my mother from childhood. When I reached my teenage years, I started pushing back. We started arguing and fighting over everything and anything. I got to the point where I actually said I don't like her. I'm not sure if I said I hate her, I may have. But it was so bad. And my wife would say to me, and we were married, she said, Joe, why don't you make peace? I said, I'm not making peace with her. No, no, it's not worth it. And you know, and, and, and she said, well, what did she do to you, Joe? And I said, well, where, where do you want me to begin, huh? Where do you want me to begin? You want me to go all the way back to when I was a little kid? No, nah, well, what do you want, what do you want? And she said, Joe, don't take it out on me. You see what I was doing? I'm, I'm kicking at her. And so I never called my mother on the phone. When the phone would ring, this was back in the days of no caller ID. You don't know who's calling. You answer the phone, right? The phone on the wall. Hello, it would be my mother. Her first words would be, why haven't you called me? That's a good way to start a conversation. And we'd get into a war over that. And it turned out the only time I ever talked to her was if she called me or if my wife answered the phone and she said, Joe, your mother wants to talk. I said, oh, man. And so I did not get along with my dear old mother saved. <laughs> then I met Jesus. And for the first month, I was overwhelmed with how much God loved me and forgave me. I was overwhelmed that he forgave, that he forgave me of everything. I was overwhelmed with it. It was in the first week that we were saved. One day I said to my wife, we lived in Oklahoma, I said, uh, honey, I'm, I'm going to call my mother. She says, you're going to call your mother? I said, yeah. She said, why? I said, I, I don't know. I, I, I need to call her. I need to talk to my mother. She said, Joe, what's going on? I said, I don't know. And I didn't know. All I know was call your mother. All right. So she says, all right. So she's going to stand there and watch me. I call her. Mother answers the phone in Queens, New York. Hello. I said, hello, Ma. It's me, Joe. Joe? You called me. What's wrong? What happened? 
I said, no, 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 everything's good. Is Kitty okay? Are the kids okay? Are you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I called you for a reason. I said, I just want you to know I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ recently. And I'm what they call a born-again Christian. Now, she was a Catholic that never went to church. So she said, so what does that mean? I said, I don't really know yet. But all I know is I wanted to call you and I wanted to tell you this. I said, Mom, I'm sorry for not being a good son all these years. And I give you my word and my promise. Ma, I'll never give you another minute's worth of grief the rest of your life. And I thought she wasn't there. I said, Ma, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. I said, Well, I, that's why I called you. I wanted to tell you that. She said, oh, all right. And so I said, I'll, I'll call you back. Said, okay. I hang up the phone, and my wife was looking at me. She said, what did she say? I said, she was speechless. I made it a point to call my mother every week, even asked her how the dog was. And we never had a problem ever again. But do you see what happened there? Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know yet. I was a young Christian. I did what Jesus did. I took the guilt. If I would have called her and said, I'm a born-again Christian, man, I just want you to know I forgive you. Forget about it. She would have probably hung up on me or something. But I went the other way. What did Jesus do for us? He took our guilt. He took our shame. We were singing about it today. He took our guilt. He took our shame. He took it all. And I realized later when I started to learn the word, I did what Jesus did. She didn't have to apologize. I took the guilt. My mother finally did apologize to me. 30 years later, sitting at my father's funeral, this little old lady sitting in the front row, so sad. Her husband of 74 years, my dad passed away. I just went and I sat by her and I was holding her hand. We didn't talk, and finally she said, Oh, Joe, I'm sorry. I said, Why? I think I was too rough on you when you were a kid. I think I hit you too much. I think I yelled at you too much. I shouldn't have done it. I said, Oh, Ma, come on, we're cool. You know that. I said, Besides, you should have hit me more. There's a lot of things I did you never knew about. The guy that I told I'd break his legs, we are such good friends till today. He got saved a few years later. And I said to him, what happened? He said, ever since that day, you, were, you came and said you were sorry with tears in your eyes. Man, I couldn't shake it. And I knew, I said, what he's got is real. My mother and father came down to visit us in Oklahoma a couple of years after that incident. Plus, we talked on the phone all the time. They came down to visit us. They still were not saved. They got down there the day before Palm Sunday. My father didn't go to church with us the next day. He didn't feel good. But my mother, I said, Ma, you want to go to church? Church? Yeah, you want to come with me and Kitty and the kids? Uh, yeah, hey, hey Pop, I'm going to go to church with Joe and them. You okay? Yeah, go ahead. I'll probably take a nap. That's what he said. So I used to go to a charismatic church. My, my mother hadn't been around that kind of stuff. I mean, boy, they were preaching, praying, and prophesying. People were falling down. <laughs> my mother was like this. So we went home. My father says, Grace, how was church? He says, oh, you had to be there. <laughs> so they spent the whole week with us. Easter Sunday, they went to church with us, and they both got saved. Both my mother and father got saved. And my mother and father, with tears in their eyes, told me afterwards, they said, Joe, my mother said, Joe, it's been so different with you years. And, I, and Papa and I have been with you and Kitty this whole week. We wanted this Jesus that you have. We wanted him. You see, when you forgive people, you are opening God to get in there and do something in their life. That's why we're co-laborers together with God. Are you hearing me now? We're co-laborers together. Forgiving people, 
It was a powerful thing. I didn't have to tell my mother I forgave her. She knew I did. Because I called and said, hey, Ma, it's me, Joe. Hey, hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, Ma. You know, and you'd think that all those years, that, that never happened. And this friend of mine, that was, I call him up every once in a while. I say, hey, it's me. The, the guy that's going to break your legs, remember? <laughs> and he got saved. I was there the night he got saved. His wife dragged him to church, and some evangelist pointed at him in the aisle and said, you, and when are you going to get saved? He said, oh, right now. <laughs> and he got saved. What I'm saying is that forgiveness opens the door for your blessing and someone else. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. I want to say something right now. We're going to pray together. Maybe you're here today and you say, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. Listen, God loves you so much. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's what you do now. God blots out our past so we can make decisions now to have a better tomorrow. Are you hearing me? That's what he's all about. Let's all pray together. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm going to lead everybody in prayer. Everybody, say this with me. That way, if, if you're the one that you need Jesus, you're, you're not the only voice we'll hear, okay? you got people around you that care about you. Let's all pray together. Follow me in prayer. Heavenly Father. Now let's try that again a little bit louder. Come on. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. He's the son of God. He came and took my guilt. He took my shame. He took the penalty for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me right now. Make me a child of God. I ask you for that now in Jesus' name. If that was you, I'm not going to ask for your hand to go up, but if that was you and you said, that's the first time I ever prayed a prayer of salvation, that's what it's all about. If you want to talk to somebody, talk to that nice man up there playing the bass guitar, Pastor Jamie. I talked to this nice lady, Jewel, that was down here earlier. You talk to them, and they'll tell you some things that you need to know, give you some literature, I'm sure. They'll pray with you. They'll pray for you. And I welcome you into the family of God, if that is you today. And the rest of you here, Freedom Church, it was my honor to speak the Word of God to you. I hope that what I had to say to you today connected some dots in your life because life can get very complicated but God is the one that he can undo a knot and make the rope straight can you say amen Father I pray right now <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace amen amen amen